Product managers give 100% of themselves to their customers. But who's there for the PM? The Product Management Center at the University of Washington. It's a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. I'm Jeff Schulman, founding director of the Product Management Center and your host on this show, How to Succeed in Product Management. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jeff Schulman, and I am the founding director of the Product Management Center here at the University of Washington. And we're just bringing the best and brightest together to share ideas and push uh, product management forward to a better, more successful, and more inclusive future. Today, we are talking about blockchain product management. And I'm super excited. We have two guests here who have been in the thick of it and are going to be able to share a little bit about what blockchain exactly is, why it might be an important topic to learn about blockchain product management, And then we'll get into kind of the metrics of success and what's unique and what's the same managing blockchain versus other products. So that's what we got planned today. And our first guest here, uh, Shilin, please tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey in product. Awesome. Absolutely glad to be here. Hi, everybody. I'm Shilin. Currently, I'm the growth lead at Protocol Labs, specifically working on Filecoin DeFi solutions and data DAO enablement. And previously, I worked at Microsoft as a growth PM. I'm really excited to share with you all things related to blockchain, but also just excited to see how to help. So feel free to reach out if you have a question related to product. Uh, myself, I was uh, I start off as a data scientist and lead my way to be a product manager. So always help uh, look forward to helping aspiring product managers to find your own path as well. Thank you. All right, thank you for sharing. Looking forward to learning from you today. And then Chitana, hopefully we're you're able to hear me and we could hear you because we'd love to know about your journey and product. Hey, everyone. I'm Chetna Desai. Super thrilled to be here talking about blockchain, especially at the intersection of blockchain and product management and what's happening in the current trends. A little bit about me. So I have traditionally been an engineer and, and kind of transitioned organically being a product, kind of high-level TPM and then a product um, in my last companies being Microsoft's, Microsoft and Expedia. So currently I head products for enterprise partnership at NIA Protocol, and I am working on the engineering wing called Pagoda. So but NIA Protocol is a layer one blockchain. However, early this year, we pivoted to focusing on how do we enable people to build on blockchain? A lot of people, first of all, don't understand blockchain. Second of all, Great. This is a great blockchain. It does XYZ, but how do I build on it, right? So we are providing tools, unified experiences to all demographic to actually come and build and experience what Web3 has to offer. So I'm excited to talk about from basic fundamental to what's happening in Web3 space. All right. I'm super stoked for this conversation. And also our associate director of the Product Management Center is here and is going to allow all of you in the audience to get involved in today's conversation. So I just want to introduce, you don't see her name up here because we're sharing a microphone, but I do want to introduce Kara Fichthorn. Tell us a little bit about yourself and then just tell people how they can get involved in today's conversation. Great. Thanks, Jeff. Hi, everybody. My name is Kara Fichthorn. I'm an associate director in the Product Management Center. I'm here today to um, help you get a little bit more in the conversation. But before I tell you about that, I tell you a little bit more about what I do at the Product Management Center. I'm involved in um, administering the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator. And if you want more information or to learn more about how to get involved, check us out online or shoot us an email at product at uw.edu. 
So to get involved with questions today, we'll transition to that in about uh, half an hour. And you're just going to put your questions either in the chat or you can come live on microphone and we'll, uh, you know, give you the stage and let you ask your questions. All right. Thank you, Kara. And Sumeya, I'm going to start with you and put you on the spot since uh, here you're going to be more connecting to what you've learned from years of experience in product management and a wide variety of industries. But what are you most curious as we kick off this conversation about blockchain product management? What's burning on your minds, ma'am? Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of uh, concepts or uh, things that are really important, I think, in the Web3 world that uh, we don't necessarily worry about too much in Web2.0 are around ownership and protocols. And so we, since we are in the early days, you know, if uh, I think in parallel of uh, the Web2.0 TCP IP protocol, for example, how long it took it to actually take over and become Become the thing, the protocol used in the market. I'm curious about the PMs working in the blockchain world. What are the things you worry about in terms of nascent, let's say, for example, protocols or other things? And then the second part is all about this concept of ownership that we didn't have to worry about to the O products. All right. So hopefully our two guests can satisfy all of Samea's curiosity. Hopefully you can hold on to some of that. Before we do all of that, I just got to be perfectly honest. There might be some listeners out there who just don't know what blockchain is, and I am no expert. And, uh, this one's a little bit for me, more for everybody else, of, of course. But can some, one of you please just share what is blockchain? Why is blockchain something that's growing in prominence and reputation and so on? So if you'll just come off mute, the first one who wants to take it looks like Chetna's first. What is blockchain? Why is it such a big deal? Yeah, that's fundamentally a great question. And and I'm happy to uh, chime in and give a stab at it. So think about blockchain as a digital ledger, like in the financial term, uh, it's a record keeping or record book, let's say. It keeps all the transaction in check instead of being stored in one place and tucked away in a siloed manner. But this ledger is actually shared amongst different nodes, which we call computers worldwide, right? So it's basically more decentralized in a way. Um, it's a decentralized storage also, you can say. And why is blockchain important? And why is it taking shape and prominence in the last decade or so? Is because of this nature of, I think Sumeya mentioned about the ownership, right? So when you own something in terms of data, um, you lose when a platform closes shop, right? Let's let's take an example of Facebook. Let's say Facebook, I don't know, God forbid, closes shop and then it goes out of business. Then all the pictures, all the things you have shared as a community is gone with it, right? So with blockchain, it's immutable. People cannot change things for you like other companies might change settings for you. But this is immutable. Once it's made a public record, it stays forever. And the second Second thing is you should be able to take your data along with you. I think that's a concept which has a lot of utility around different industry and verticals, which we can explore more. But in a sense, think about this as a record keeping, but it's record keeping not centralized, but decentralized. All right. And then I have another silly question, and we'll maybe go to Celin for this one, unless you want to pass. But as a blockchain product manager, are you building blockchain? <laughs> and if so, what does that look like? Or are you utilizing blockchain to build other experiences or products? 
Yeah, I love this question. Yeah, it's actually like my the question confused me a lot when I first started my PM journey in the blockchain space. So in blockchain like space, there are two type of PMs, like a, a PM that are building the protocol. So basically, you know, like building like Ethereum, building L1 chain, right, to enable the ecosystem partners, like the application layer. So as this protocol PM, you actually do need to have some like technical understanding of you know how those fundamental blockchain technology works, how those block works, right? So you could build that uh, very solid tech infrastructure to enable a lot of application on top of it. But also inside of this, you know, blockchain industry, there are another type of PM that are doing the product work. That's actually, you know, for example, if you want to enable more adoption with enterprise clients, uh, your responsibility is actually pretty similar, like, you know, enterprise PM that you have a defined target audience, right? You iterate your product with this specific clients and develop product that serve their needs. The difference is you just probably leverage a different infrastructure. So in my role, I actually do both. So I split my time into being a both protocol PM and product PM. Very much so. Thank you. Chetna, what about you? Do you divide it differently or explain it differently? And if not, if that's the right way, not the right way, the way that you also consider it, where do you spend your time? Yeah, I kind of agree with Zilling. Its protocol is very unique, more tech-focused. You you need to be understanding the inner workings of algorithm and cryptography for you to be a protocol layer PM to large extent is how I see. And yeah, I, I can also divide both at protocol layer. And before that, if folks are interested, you should look at what Neo Protocol is building. We are building something called, it's a new entrant entry into the the new paradigm in terms of what Web3 space is right now. It's mostly crowded with L1 and L2s, the layer one and layer two blockchains. But also there are a a mix of platform and tooling and dApp application. So think about drawing parallels in order to structure different layers of PMs that can exist is think about AWS, right? So AWS has a compute layer, uh, EC2, ECS, and all of those. So in that case, EC2 becomes that compute layer, which is equivalent to the protocol layer in blockchain, right? So, and you have several services and tools and other supporting enablers to run and build application on cloud. So there are similar, you can draw parallels in blockchain, wherein there are a lot of companies within Web3 space building tools and startups who are building apps also on them, right? So it's how we call as a decentralized cloud is what blockchain is and what bosses we call block operating blockchain operating system in Neo protocol. So if you're excited, that might help you actually draw parallels between the actual Web 2 world and Web 3 world to minimizing. That's what I am dividing my time. I initially started out as a Neo protocol PM, but I eventually moved up to holistically look at partnership engagement. How do Web 2 companies or Web 3 native companies want to build and where do they want to build, right? So they have to build on an infrastructure or deploy, build and deploy on an infrastructure like cloud. But how do we do that on blockchain is what essentially I run on a daily basis. Thank you for that overview. You bring up a very important point, Chitana, specifically around the knowledge 
you brought in with you from the Web2 world. So I'm curious, what are the, the two things that you still, or two skills that you still use? And what are the three things, new things you had to learn very quickly to be good at what you do now? Yeah, I would highly recommend uh, this famous newsletter, which is called Lenny's Newsletter. He interviews Jason Shaw about how different it is to be a PM in Web3. So I highly recommend he has broken it down beautifully, all aspect of PM. Other than that, I would say the couple of things that I bring with me is the user empathy, right? The customer empathy that that goes without saying wherever you are, what industry, what tech evolution that's happening, you still keep the user at the center. And actually community first is the concept which is, very unique, but also not unique, right? So, and what I've learned is more open source being very unique to Web3. In Web2, there are open sources as well, but here, by default, you think public, not private. So starting from creating a document or a hypothesis PRD or whatever that you're writing as a PM, you start public by default, which is a new kind of mindset that you have to bring to is whatever you write, it is open source, right, in, in blockchain. So again, going back to your question, Sumeya, you, you asked about a couple of skills I would bring with me other than kind of customer empathy is also looking to fill in a lot of gaps. As a PM, first know it's a thankless job. You tend to fill in the gap and become kind of BD person, biz dev, go talk to customer, go do some marketing, be an evangelist of the product or the feature that you're building. That is something I see very well brought from my previous life in Web 2 to Web 3 as well. The uniqueness that I, as I mentioned, you have to be more versatile, even though you have, you might have experience doing different small, small role, project managing, program managing, and PM, which is a product management. There's also, previously, I, I saw it very pragmatic and scientific in terms of how I did my product management role um, in Web 2 companies, but in Web 3, it's more art than a science, I would say. So you have to be very creatively inclined to solve problem and look at community as a first to solve something. And it's all about network effect, right? If the community is not in for it, how much ever great technology you build that's never been used, right? So I think that would be the key, I would say. Thank you. I think some of that messaging is consistent also with startups in general. When I think about people working at, you know, the edge of technology or brand new things that don't have fully baked use cases that are repeatable again and again, some of that need to be versatile and flexible show up as a much needed skill. Lilin, how about you? How has your journey been from a skill set standpoint? Absolutely. Titania perfectly summarized summarize most of the key points. Yeah, but I, uh, I will add a few thoughts as well. I think get comfortable with ambiguity, right? Like I think uh, both of you already touched upon it in our kind of relatively new industry and moving fast industry. A lot of the product have not yet achieved product market fit. So a lot of times PM actually act as like, you know, the, your kind of first uh, sales people for advocate, right? Evangelist, this thing we are building. So really need 
that like a zero to one mindset to set up to be brave, right? Like, don't be afraid that, okay, they probably have no customers to talk to you yet. You just got to be kind of scrappy to find, find your tribe, find those communities to talk to you, to get nailed down the product market fit. Another thing is more like be flexible and adaptable, like in, in again, like in this world, things change quickly. So the plans and sometimes strategies also change accordingly like you know there's no no thing like annual planning right <laughs> although like at least um, in my experience we, we still try to use like the okr framework right to at least uh, keep things more organized but like there's no annual planning and uh, strategies may keep evolving and the good part is a lot of times you are part of the strategy you are not just executing so that's kind of how i see the main difference uh, based on my experience all right, we're going to get real technical in a little bit. I think Samaya wants to dive deep, but I always want to keep the general audience along with us. And so we just previously talked about Web 2 and Web 3, and I just want one of you to please define the difference and just how prominent or where people could realize this shift. So I would start with one step back, Web 1. Um, I think Web 1 was post one time read only or something. Web two was read and write and web three is read, write and own. In the simplest form that I can define each of these different era of technology that has evolved, right? So before it was like somebody would post and you would read like a newsletter or an article or a blog post or something like that. Think about that being a web one. Web two is a social media error wherein you can actually write as well, not just read. And with web three, you would take your data along with you, right? So as I mentioned early on that if somebody, some platform or tool closed shops, then you can pick all the things that you created along with you and move on to the next platform. I think that's the beauty of web three. And that's the reason that I intentionally moved from a big tech to actually doing something in the mix of innovation and evolution that's happening in the technology world. Thank you so much. And if there's any disagreement, come off mute now or forever hold your peace. And then I have one last question before Samaya gets technical. And hopefully we can keep the answer a little tight because Samaya wants to go deep into technical here. But just real quickly, in case we haven't explicitly said it enough, where are all the ways or industries that we think or you think Web3 could transform? So you kind of gave a social example. We started with a financial example of a ledger. What industries do we think Web3 and blockchain can transform? Yeah, I want to add that uh, decentralized AI component. I think right now we are in the perfect storm that, you know, the Web3 plus AI can really create some you know, like phenomenal things. Let's take a recent example. Right? Apple partner with a token called Render Token to decentralize their like, you know, rendering processes. This is a great way, you know, to leverage those Web3 technology to really like, you know, reduce the computing resources, right? To enable a lot of AI capabilities. So right, like our company actually also recently invest in a company that are using the kind of like a decentralized compute to allow everybody in the world to connect up their hardware to stand up the AI model everybody could build machine learning model or even run your own open source, the chat GPT. So I definitely see this is a 
uh, an emerging trend and a good use of blockchain technology to enable decentralized AI. And also the uh, in terms of DeFi, right, it's not it's not new, but the latest trend is enabling the multi-chain DeFi system. So decentralized finance platform uh, eventually, you know, you don't need to even on the weekends, right, you could get your, your money in a different digital currency or different format. Uh, instantly versus you know waiting over the weekend right but just because nobody is working in the bank so I, I see that is another uh, interesting use cases as well and last but not least the data doubt right like ultimately every company gonna be a data company it's a data company so how to get back the ownership of user and how to enable them every user to build interesting stuff on top of those data and give away you know the centralized governance for the data ownership is another trend i'm seeing so that's my sense there i want to build on that a little bit so one of the the frameworks that you know I, I've seen in my reading, they talk about you know the different layers of the blockchain. It starts, of course, with hardware, which is familiar to people in Web 2.0, and then there is a data layer, a network layer, a consensus layer, and then application layer. First of all, is that a, a framework you guys think about too? Is it practical for your everyday work, or is it too high level? No, I think that's about right. Um, I think I think the layers that you mentioned, most of them within the blockchain construct, right? Yeah. So when you think about blockchain, there's a protocol layer, the consensus layer, proof of work or proof of, proof of stake, or what else? The engine, which basically essentially interprets any kind of high level to the blockchain layer to run the algorithm and form the consensus to create the next block in the chain, right? I think pretty much everything you said considered within the blockchain layer. I think the app that you mentioned is the dApp, which essentially is a smart contract run on the blockchain, right? Okay. So differentiation, I would say. Protocol is nothing but the algorithm, right? The, the same layer that goes into the thing. So people can use some of these terminologies to replace one versus the other. Could be confusing. Before we get into the the actual uh, technological kind of breakdown, Sumeya, so I wanted to add on to the previous question, what Zeeling added, the most promising and the use cases is what I'm looking forward to. Other than trend, I can talk about trend as well. What's actually trending now versus what's out there as a blue sky for us is, I think, by default, cryptocurrencies, right? So it started as DeFi, decentralized finance, wherein there's no intermediaries to actually approve one versus the other for the currency swap, currency transfer beyond borders. I think that's been screamed and talked about many times. In addition to that, I want to kind of highlight some of the use cases people don't see. And my role as a head of product for enterprise partnership is to highlight like this, right? So think about supply chain management. You can actually create all the metadata that goes into creating raw material tracking from source to destination on the blockchain, which is immutable. People cannot tamper with, and then everything is actually is public knowledge and people can actually read and know about it, right? So I think that's one of the use cases, which has kind of been in and around and kind of been explored also. And another area that is highlighted is the healthcare, right? Blockchain can actually securely store your data and again, tamper fee. And the data can be 
shared across different institutions, right, hospitals and such, which right now is centralized and dead in one account. And as a patient who goes through the trauma of actually dealing with having to talk about history every time that person visits a new specialist is kind of use case that blockchain can solve, right? I think that's that's something is overlooked. A lot of people talk about NFTs and crypto as in other sense, but there are a lot of use cases, meaningful use cases, which needs to be explored for the sake of, especially in, in healthcare system, is more pronounced more and more now that we have a lot of other collaterals that's happening. And two more before I can wrap up. I just wanted to share because this is a broader, I know people are knowledgeable, they would want to know more use cases before they even know about the technology involved, right? So why do I even they talk about technology if I don't know what exactly the problem or the use cases that we can build on and solve for. The fourth one on my list is voting system, right? So I don't know if you know, there's a DMV in California who's trying to implement their whole solution on a blockchain. So if that comes through, then there will be ripple effect. So voting system that we talk about, uh, right, during elections, a blockchain would help them Again, immutable, so not, nothing would be tampered. Everything will be recorded and it's public knowledge and people don't have to claim one versus the other, right? So that's clear win and I don't know why people don't explore that area. And the last one is essentially dApps, right? You can create any smart contract. For example, what we call as a escrow, right? All the escrow are done paperwork and kept in paper format, not even digitized if you buy a home or something or a property. Those can actually go as a smart contract, live on a blockchain, which is easy, manageable and available for people to actually refer. So that is my last one that I wanted to just kind of contracts, not smart contract. Everything else will have a smart contract. It's a tech term, but contract wise, like any agreement document that can actually live on a blockchain. So I'll rest my case there. And then, yeah, Samaya, go ahead uh, if you have a specific technological question. Dion, I see you're unmuted. Go ahead if you have Yeah, I just want to angle. Yeah, amazing, like those use cases. I just want to add one more, like the in terms of uh, the application on sustainability, right? Think about all this, like greenwashing is happening, right? Like a lot of companies set the goal to be, you know, go carbon neutral, by like 20, 25 or 2030, right? But very hard to prove that, right? So actually, this is also a great way to use blockchain technology to really like secure that, you know, make sure those carbon offset program is done accurately and you have the real-time evidence for that. So that's another use case just inspired by Titana. <laughs> yeah. I love this. You know, these conversations around the use cases and where some of the best solutions are going to come up or are, that people are working on actually right now is so relevant. If we were to take that a little further into how can a PM in, let's say, in the Web 2.0 world interested in any of these ideas that you brought up? And then they go and research startups that are working on these ideas. How can they contribute? And where do you think the easiest entry points for them is going to be? So I brought up earlier the the different the six different layers, just to help us anchor the conversation around something that people then can go and do further research on. So is it going to be protocols, which I probably doubt, or is it going to be the data layer because there is more data work that we do in the web 2.0 world, etc. I'd be curious about your opinion there. 
I think the general answer would be for me is depends, right? So it depends on your background. If you are in data and AI, it 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 makes organic sense to actually smoothly transition into using Web3 tech versus Web2 tech for the data and AI solutioning, right? So again, drawing a lot of parallel, a lot of people think that if you have to be a PM in Web3, you have to have some kind of novel skill that doesn't exist. I actually disagree Every skill that you build on any industry, any domain is transferable, right? So it's that's the beauty. If you know how to actually position yourself and change, even changing domain shouldn't change how you function as a PM. Is uh, how I see for a lot of people. But I think to your question is like, where do they start? I think there are two things on a high level. I would say one is to network and learn about what Web3 and popular projects and trends and things happening. There are a lot of social groups I know. That's how I started. So I was within Microsoft, there was a blockchain team that I would socialize with. I was also working on a Windows team to explore a lot of Web3 use cases. How do we bring, how do we make Windows sticky to the newer generation who are born into Mac, right? So if you think about ideating, you don't have to have a specific area or focus in mind, you can exercise the ideation piece, go talk to people, go network in a way. There are a lot of Web3 communities within Seattle area also. Um, and I am looking to actually be mentor. If you want to start something, I'm happy to actually join hands with you, Sumeya and Jeffrey here so that we can start something for blockchain. I can, I'm happy to drive some of those as well. Number one is networking, right? Understand who's doing what. And hardly often anybody says no to you. They might be busy, but they'll come back at later time. And the second is basically exploring the technology side. What is your background? What is the domain you've already been in? And then draw parallels to something in Web3, right? Most of them are easily transferable. If not, go talk to people through your network to ask questions, and they will probably know what to do, to be honest. So I felt the same way. I was lost. But then when I started talking to people, understanding, putting things in perspective. So then I had my own construct of how this looks like for my transition. So it's a personal journey, I would say, even though people don't want to hear that answer, but you have to make an effort, right? Nobody would hand it over to you on a pallet. You have to decide on the journey that you want to embark on and go make those actions. Go talk to people, go ask questions, go be part of a forum or a social community gathering where who host special guests, speak or they just socially meet and discuss about different ideas. And I'll tell you another thing that hack that I did was I was part of A16Z network. So what I did was I looked up and found who is the crypto head on A16Z, reach out to them. And then they added me to the talent hub and I got hits from the Web3 company who are looking for people who have Web2 kind of background. Right. So I gave you three different areas where you can actually go in and pursue. I love that. One of my favorite podcasts to listen to is the uh, A16Z Web3 with Sonal. So I, th that's a, definitely another resource I recommend. How about you, Zilin? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I actually also made my way through networking. Like I, I, I was part of the Techstar ecosystems last year when they had that uh, 
Filecoin Techstar kind of partnership event I just you know, attend and network and understand more about this protocol. Also, as if you're interested in this jumping to Web3, I would say like get your hands dirty, right? There are so many hack zones and just the ecosystem grants out there. You just pick one project, right? Like really try to get your hands dirty and see what does that look like. So for example, I'm sure like NEO Foundation and also Filecoin Foundation, they, we all have like so many grants and we even have like kind of public forum, right? To give away those questions that are waiting to be solved. So I think getting involved and really have a taste of what does that look like, right? As a small experiment. So I think networking and also get your hands dirty, both will take our take you there. All right. Thank you so much. So now Samea's had her questions answered. I've had my questions answered. It's time for you and the audience to have your questions answered. This is going to be a little awkward because Kara and I are sharing a mic, but she is going to run audience questions and you're going to see my face light up uh, for those of you who are here. At the podcast, it'll be seamless. This is recorded and put out every Wednesday as the How to Succeed in Product Management podcast. But for now, Kara, it's your time to lead the show. You ready? For your big moment? Yes, I am. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Quick instructions for the questions section of today's podcast. So if you would like to ask a question, you can just raise your hand and we can let you come up on stage and you can speak live and engage with our guest speakers for today. If you would like to have your question asked by me, you can go ahead and message me on LinkedIn. Um, I won't announce your name and you can stay anonymous. All right. While we're waiting for some questions to come in, would our speakers for today like to ask some questions of each other? Zeling, so I was going to ask you, how has it been for you since you joined Protocol Labs, right? And have you seen the changes? Like, it's a startup setup. No matter Web 2, Web 3, doesn't matter. It, it's a startup scene that I see evolve from month to month for me. The changes happen. So I'm just curious to learn, how has it been for you? Yeah, awesome questions. Yeah, uh, yeah. Frankly, it's the same. You know, like we are in a highly volatility environment, right? So I always feel like, oh, the since the priority actually changed quite a lot, right? But I would say, like within this ten months, I I really enjoy what I'm working on, and I. I think it depends on the person, right? For me, I'm up for the challenges that, oh, you know, I'm probably going to change my priorities. I'm probably going to flex, wear different hats, right? Like be that, sometimes be the startup operator, sometimes be the designer, sometimes be the project manager, right? So uh, I think that's the fun part of working the current environment. But everything has pros and cons, right? Like I, I would say it's given like things are changing so quickly, right? Sometimes I also feel like even I want to, you know, keep doubling down uh, one or two things, right? It might end up with probably I, I need delegate this to others or outsource to others, right? Because the nature of our work is to partner with ecosystems, right? So sometimes you might, might not, probably I sometimes also miss like, you know, working with a large group of internal engineers, right? Like to brainstorm a lot of things all together. Yeah, so that's where I am. How about you? I'm also curious. And also, I, I just learned a lot through this conversation, you know, love our Web3 community. 
Yeah, so I think some of which, so I, I love the latest trend, right? So which is which sways the way in which that we want to take over or, or go after, let's say. Like, especially the utility around digital collectibles have been in trend lately. It's it's always been in trend, actually. It never went out of trend. It's just that sometimes it's more fluff than the actual use cases. But I think we are starting to see a lot of a utility-based digital collectible, which in an essence called NFT, right, non-fungible token, is what exciting for me. And I've seen the evolution of that as well, just like Web 2, Web 3, Web 1, Web 2, Web 3 overall. I'm seeing industry-specific evolution from Web 1, Web 2, and Web 3. I'm also focused on some of those trends as well. And I think when you make an intentional move to a startup, you should be up for all the changes that's happening, right? So it's, as you said, sometimes navigating through ambiguous a space that you own or try to find utility or solve in a way to give structure to your team and your peers is the challenge you should be up for. And I think it's it should not be I don't want to scare people, but I think that's the beauty of this space is you can actually create something, right, which has not been created before. I think that's where I came to this space because previously it was, everything was already solved for. Like there was nothing that I felt like I'm creatively doing something, which is why I came to Web3, wherein technology is still evolving. We still have to create like the scalability on the blockchain is still a challenge. A lot of privacy aspect because it's a public blockchain is still a challenge up to be solved for, right? So I think that's the excitement that keeps me going in spite of all the other cons that we talk about being in a startup and being in a nascent space. I still call it nascent because we haven't actually doubled down on a use case other than like DeFi, DeFi. DeFi is still kind of evolving right nothing has been already set in stone like if you think about cloud aws everything is actually there right so there's as little as innovation that i see other than ai which took shape in the last year or so ai was always there right <laughs> the the data cleaning and and figuring out the the pattern and themes to creating and models to automatically generate matches or whatever so i feel like that's again not really the innovation. I feel like innovation is actually here. I might be biased, but I'll probably pause there. But yeah, I love the space and the evolution of it, even though it happens month to month rather than kind of yearly that you see in a big tech. Okay, great. Thanks so much. And we have a question from the audience. Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Badaram. So, Chetna, Zilin, I mean, really great insights on blockchain. I've learned so much today on the podcast. I'm curious, what, what are your guys' thoughts on the future of blockchain, crypto, mainly on the financial side, and all of the regulations and, you know, that, that are happening in U.S., mainly, you know, like all of the SEC stuff that's happening. You know, you, do you guys think crypto or blockchain, will it, like, flourish, you know, in the, in the coming? years, decades, or do you guys, like, what are your thoughts? I'm just curious. Great and timely question, Badar. Thank you for the question. I would keep myself away from answering any kind of regulation question. (laughs) But as my own opinion, I still feel it's promising. Always tech has this, the curve, right? The first 
10 years or a decade is still in the nascent area. Like if you think about cloud or internet in general, it took its own sweet time to actually come around, right? So in spite of all the challenges, pushback that you see from all verticals, it will still come through. So that's the promise that I am living because this is the future of the tech, right? So it would, would take different shapes for sure. It may not stay the same that we see today, right? The visibility changes in terms of what this can offer and what use cases it might solve. We don't even know the future, right? So we didn't expect a pandemic, right? We actually rightly adapted ourselves to function the way it is. So I feel like it's still promising. I will still bet my chips on this as technology. Let me clarify, not on token or anything. The technology itself I bet myself on is something to stay, will stay and keep it holding for a longer time. So uh, yeah, the tech will definitely evolve. That is 100% true. The Web3 infrastructure is definitely more than token. So definitely believe the uh, technology part going to evolve. And also if you look at this landscape, right, it's not just like sitting like, for example, one country or one location, right? It's a global market. It's a global community. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Like, yeah, the future is bright if you look at the holistic global market landscape. That's awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, Badar. Thanks for the question. While we're waiting for more questions to come through, you could uh, send one over to Jeff through messaging or raise your hand. Um, I understand Somaya has another question for our guests. Well, I think I'm curious about, you know, the conversation we had earlier, we talked a little bit about open source having a closer use case in terms of, you know, the types of stakeholders you have to worry about. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit, you know, go a little deeper into that. And I'm curious about what do those interactions look like? Are the developers uh, the primary stakeholders? Are they secondary? And how does the PM, you know, evaluate questions around profitability or commercial success against what usually comes with open source, which is letting the community essentially run with it? I think that's the great question. I think it brings up back to your previous question about a specific skill set as a PM we would take is like measuring your revenue or measuring number of adoption or users. Here, it's community first, right? So the measurement is is the community successful. And, and also a lot of people don't understand the decentralization is not just in terms of tech, it also in terms of contribution. So that's why we call open source. It's, it's because it's not a single entity. And Zeeling also mentioned about the ecosystem. Right. So you enrich the ecosystem to be independent and contributing towards the main goal, which is whatever is the main goal for that ecosystem. Right. So in near, we want to build that unified user experience for all demographic. You want to experience and discover and explore what Web3 has to offer. That is one story. The other one is basically as a builder, individual builder or a startup who wants to build on blockchain, what are the platform and tools available for me at the disposable to to actually go build. And at the protocol layer, if you are that technical person who wants to contribute towards the growth of the protocol itself, you can actually solve and we have process around how to actually be a contributor. So again, it's a 
long-winded answer for your question, Sumeya. It's it's more community first. Assume even though you are f- the first contributor to the source code, you are just a contributor. You're not the owner of it. So I think that's the difference, jarring difference between Web 2 and Web 3. Open source is, this is in real sense open source, but we haven't gone to, it's a journey that's ongoing. We haven't reached that stage, but the concept is that, right? So it's not one contributor, but multiple contributors. And so when it's that shared ownership, what is the mindset the PM has to work with? I I know you said it's uh, one of the most jarring aspects of, you know, that move from you own the product, you are responsible for all other aspects of it. And now it goes into the community and the community collectively gets to own it. How did you make that mindset shift? Yeah, so so there's already multiple examples in the space which you can actually learn from is one of which is we we have a process in place wherein community actually do bug bounty or just a project bounty wherein they either propose a proposal that goes through the process of uh, ideation, review, approval from the community experts and that gets approved and that that entity or an individual developer goes and contributes. So as a PM, I'm managing that expectation, not so much the feature backlog, right? So you do it in a way, but it's a combination. I would say as a PM, you come in, it's going to be a learning process and kind of different mindset that you would acquire along the way, but it's it's a community owned, but you kind of drive at some level, but eventually it should be like, from any PMs actually running any of those. It's a community-led, it's a co-owned thing. So which is very unique and it's hard to grasp the concept itself. But I would say you start with providing a process and then you run through exactly what you do, but it's public facing. Great. We want to make sure we have time for final thoughts, but I see that we have one more question here. Go right ahead. Hi, my name is Durga and uh, I would like to thank everyone for sharing their knowledge and it's a great uh, way to learn. And I'm mostly into HR space, human capital space, and uh, but at the same time I have tried to be away from learning more about blockchain. wanted to understand uh, if there are any key players or any of the interesting concepts that we can implement in HR space using blockchain technologies? Maybe a narrow question, but I just want to throw it out. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, so, so you are more like asking how to use blockchain technology to innovate the HR space. Right, right. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I think like recently we actually, um, the key for hiring is transparency, right? And the uh, blockchain is ex- excel at solving transparency problems. So I think one way to leverage blockchain technology is to really like, you know, increase the transparency in the hiring, like vetting, you know, the how to create a marketplace, right, that could vet in the uh, best talent, right, but also give the transparency to the other parties, the hiring company. And also, how do you make sure those information is in the best interest, right, for both parties? So I think that is uh, something, if you have any transparency problems you would like to solve in your current space, I think you could leverage the blockchain technology. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank you. So we are just about out of time here. So I just want to ask for any concluding thoughts. Great ballroom. (laughs) <laughs> I just learned a lot from uh, chatting. As I said, like this space is pretty open. And if you are interested, like 
try it out. I'm very super helpful in this space as well. So I'm always there, you know, to answer your questions if you are interested in. Yeah, it's a great platform. Thank you for having me on this podcast. Love the conversation. And connect with us. We can form a community of blockchain enthusiasts and join us, connect with us, and then we can form our own small group and do something in that aspect. You'll know what you want to get into if you're interested in that space. So yeah, connect with us. Happy to contribute and be part of the community. All right. I love the community-minded spirit. Speaking of community, nobody does it better than Sumeya. Sumeya, as my microphone goes too loud there, any concluding thoughts in 30 seconds or less? Because I know you have to go. <laughs> well, thank you so much for Zilin and Chitana for sharing their knowledge and the resources uh, that they learned from with the community. So really, I can't say how grateful I am enough. So thank you so much. And Kara, welcome. She'd say thank you, but we're sharing a microphone. So it's now sadly back to me, sharing a microphone, sharing a profile. I want to say thank you to our guests. Thank you to Samea for being here every single week. And then my concluding thoughts are this, you know, product management is all about identifying needs and wants and satisfying them better than the competition, driving value and and unique experiences for your customers, uh, driving value for your business. And ideally, we'll see more and more driving value for society. Blockchain is one tool. It is not the only tool. Again, the end result is delighted customers in a better business and a better world. And so dive into blockchain if you're inspired by uh, what it can do and utilize it to, again, keep in mind that the end result is better lives for your customers, better lives for your stakeholders and a better future for all of us, hopefully. So in conclusion, thank you all for listening. Thank you to our guests. And uh, we'll be back next week. I'm on a a short break. And now Kara is going to be polished and ready to roll. We'll be back next week. The Product Management Center will. And then Kara will be running the show for just a few weeks. And then I'll be back ready to learn more from all of uh, our wonderful people in the Product Management Center community. Thank you all for joining us and have a great day.